you are listening to the Hodges Huddle, where we discuss all things happening in the wide world of sports. Here is your KLSU sports team. Welcome into the Hodges Huddle. I'm your host, Raven Freeman. Joining me today is Nathan Messina and Patricia Caputo. How are you guys doing today? Doing pretty well. I'm doing well. How are you, Raven? I'm good. I'm good. So we're going to start off talking about women's basketball. We lost to South Carolina on Sunday, 64-88. to Our first loss. Also, Angel Reese did not get her triple-double, which it was a sad Sunday, but it's okay. Um... Trish, do you think that the ladies felt defeated or motivated after their first loss? I like what Kim Mulkey had to say about this game from the beginning when she said this team is not supposed to go out there and beat South Carolina. She Mm -hmm. said something similar to Tennessee. They started off the game rough, and they were able to make a comeback. They kept it close until about the fourth quarter of the game. Nathan, Andre, and I had a show on Sunday and all of a sudden, it was like that flip switch when we were like, wait, they're only down by two. I think it was 25 to 23 at some point before the half. And it was a quite impressive comeback. But you talked about Angel Reese. She did not have her best game. She's been saying that a lot this season. But this truly exemplified, like, like you said, she didn't get the double-double. Still at 16 points, but just not as much pro- production as you expect to see from a player like her. And this was their first true challenge. And that's difficult when your first true challenge of the year is the best team right now in women's basketball right Nathan yeah I mean pretty much same thing for me they just I think once they got to that such a slow start I mean they were down by like way too much at the beginning of the game when you get off that slow of a start against a team like South Carolina like no matter how how close it looks you're not going to come back from that I mean they've got a girl in there who's like six seven I mean you just it's (laughs) it's pretty hard to fight back against that Right, I agree. We've watched our ladies all season, so we know a little bit more about them than other fans would. I was surprised about how they played defensively. I mean, they're really, they're usually really good on the defensive side of the ball. I think that leaving, they were a little defeated. I mean, it's your first loss of the season. You were undefeated, but I think that this is going to light a fire. And so I believe we'll meet up with South Carolina again. I think that it'll be night and day. And if I can add on to that, Angel Reese, after the game, came back here, flew back home, and on Instagram she posted a picture of herself in the PMAC, and she seemed to already be getting some reps in right after that loss. So in terms of this is their challenge now, they lose that game, now what are you going to do? How are you going to respond to right. that loss? Nathan, do you think South Carolina is just that good, or considering LSU has not played a quote-unquote ranked team, the team just didn't live up to the hype? I think they're just that good. I mean... You've got players like Leah Boston and, like I said, Camilla Cardoso, who's 6'7". That's right. just, I mean, that's a big advantage. I mean, it's just when you have that much of a size advantage and you've got talent like Leah Boston, it's just hard to compete with that. And Dawn Staley said in her press conference after the game that the the team is used to this many people. They're used to playing ranked opponents like LSU was. So this wasn't anything new to them, where LSU, it was a big difference. Like I said, you're going up against your only ranked team so far this season, and it's South Carolina. And going back to what Kim Mulkey said in her press conference is that she said, you know, South Carolina's number one, and everyone else is at the bottom, and it doesn't even seem like it's close. They're just such a dominant team. Many of the reasons of what Nathan says, the way that they've been able to recruit, and it's promising, though, for this LSU team, because you know who Kim Mulkey is. You know how she's won at Baylor, and 
you're hoping, if you're an LSU fan, that you Kim Mulkey can recruit some players here and then eventually this LSU team will be like a South Carolina. Right. I couldn't agree more. You guys took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, playing a team this dominant, we knew it was going to be difficult. But I don't want any – I haven't heard anyone saying this, but my biggest fear was people saying, oh, LSU hasn't played anyone that hard. Oh, look how they played against South Carolina. I mean, we're a beast team. And like I said, we felt that sting. And once we play harder teams, because we're going to get to that level, I think that we'll be able to show how well we can perform on the court, especially after this loss. Tonight we go on to play Ole Miss February 16th. And I know this is after our first loss, but Trish, do you think that the ladies are and should be confident going up into this matchup tonight? Look, they have a home game tonight, so it helps them balance themselves out a little bit. They have another home game on Sunday. That was a lot of traveling, what they had to do. I know they had that week off in South Carolina, but before that, they played a game Monday, Thursday, Sunday, something they haven't done all season. And then they had to prepare for the best team in women's college sports right now. And hopefully this doesn't deter them. You go back to what Angel Reese did on Instagram that seemed that she was already in the gym. And if you look at the South Carolina game, the biggest problem for this Tiger team was the fouls. And that's one of the reasons why, Raven, you had mentioned the defense, is that they couldn't play defense so well. Because it got to a point where two or three of your starters have three fouls before the half. Right. And then all of a sudden you can't be as, as aggressive as you want to be. So I don't think it's going to deter them. I think this could be a very good bounce back game for them and show them how good of a team that they truly are. Nathan? Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. This should be a big bounce back game for them. They should, in all honesty, kind of blow out Ole Miss. I don't think a coach like Mulkey is going to let like that kind of loss just keep them down bad enough to where they'll struggle against Ole Miss. I agree. Bounce back are like the perfect words. I mean, South Ole Miss is no South Carolina, so I don't see it being exactly. an issue. So in the past, like teams against Arkansas and Georgia, we in the past against teams like Arkansas and Georgia, the ladies have kind of underestimated, you know, games have been close. I mean, we've all been there. Nathan, do you think that this women's basketball team might underestimate Ole Miss and maybe come away with a loss or a close game? No, I think they're kind of out looking for blood, you know. I think they're ready to have, like, a big dominant win after that uh, big dominant loss in South Carolina. <laughs> they're looking to get back to their old selves and kind of start blowing people out. I agree with what Nathan said. It seemed that those past few weeks, while this team was good, they seemed to be a little fatigued, and there was so much hype going into that South Carolina game. It just kept building up. The more that LSU won, the more that South Carolina won. It was like, this is going to be such a great, highly anticipated game. And even though Kim Mulkey said, no, we're not letting that get to their heads, it's easy to say that. But at the end of the day, you're a human being. And you're a young college student. And you're going to be playing on ESPN. And it's going to be a great platform for women's basketball. It's hard not to let that get to your head a little bit so you're not as focused on the previous games like you had mentioned, like Arkansas and Georgia. Right. I agree. I think that, like I've said before, and like you guys have said, I think they have this certain fire under them. And I think, you know, losing upset them. And I appreciate they don't want to feel that pain that feeling that maybe they didn't work hard enough maybe they could have done this better this better that ever again so I think they'll come away with the win against Ole Miss as well so Angel Reese lost her double-double streak she was on her 23rd straight and they will go on to play their 24th game tonight do you guys think or Trish do you think that she will earn her 24th double-double tonight I think it's a part of bouncing back, Angel Reese having a good game. I feel that she needs this. It seems the last few days, the last few games rather, every time she's 
interviewed, she says, this hasn't been my best game. This hasn't been my best game. Tonight is the night to have your best game, to feel mm-hmm. good about yourself, to get that double-double streak going again. Yeah, she, I think she's definitely going to get it back. Um, like I said, looking for blood. They're just – I think they're all pretty upset, pretty mad about this loss. Um, and I think that's going to kind of fuel her to go ahead and put on a dominant performance like she used to. Right. I have no doubt. I think that she's determined, and I believe she'll get her 24 double-double tonight. Okay, so we're going to move on about a less exciting topic. Our LSU men's basketball team only lost by two points to Georgia. (laughs) That says a lot. Only two points, right? Yeah. 12-game losing streak for this team. So, Trish, because this team only, keyword, lost by two points, do you believe that that this is the beginning of something good or motivational or what? I think it was K.J. Williams having a decent game and Georgia not being that good. Georgia has won 16 games. LSU has won 12. You're looking at Georgia, and 16 right now looks like a lot compared to those 12 games that the Tigers have won. But K.J. Williams, Williams, you finally got him going on offense. Now it's 18 points. Productively speaking, you need someone like Adam Miller to score more. You Mm -hmm. need someone like Derek Fountain to have a game like he did against Alabama, which you didn't get. But it was promising knowing that they at least can – go head-to-head with a team who's won a couple more games than them. Nathan? No. I mean, I just think that a loss is a loss at this point in the season. Mm -hmm. Like, you just – you need a win no matter how much it's by, and a loss no matter how much it's by just doesn't matter. Like, it's still a loss at the end of the day. And I think it's deflating this team even more than they already are. And it's – I mean, the morale is just going down and down and down and down. I mean, it's it's like inexcusable at this point. Georgia's not a good team. You can't be losing like that to them, especially when you were leading for most of the game. Right, I agree. I mean, Georgia's not a good team, but I expected from our basketball team a blowout. So when I was watching this game, I saw a fight that I haven't seen since the beginning of the season. But like you guys said, a loss is a loss. And the fact that we only lost by two surprised me. I think if we could have won this game, it would have been the start of something new and fresh motivation, confidence, but we just couldn't come away with the win. Yeah, the fact that we lost just makes it, like, so much worse. Right. Because they're such a bad team, mm-hmm. you can't be losing to them. Adam Miller only has six points, two rebounds, and two assists. On the show, previously we've looked at him as one of the star players and a potential quote-unquote leader on this team, especially because he's a returner. Based off this game and previous games, how do we feel about Adam Miller currently? I mean, I just think that I don't know. I feel like he has the talent. It's there. It's just he just doesn't seem to have this ability to perform when it matters. And I personally, I think that comes down to coaching. And like as a coach, you've got to just be able to tap into a player like Adam Miller. I mean, with the potential he's got, you've got to be able to unleash that and turn him into the player that he's supposed to be. I mean, he can't do it all himself. It's just not how it works. So I don't know. I personally think that at the end of the season, I don't know if he'll still be a Tiger because mm-hmm. um, I think he'd probably succeed better elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, let's face it. Though he's a returner, he's probably going to leave. He's probably going mm-hmm. to decommit from LSU. But that's the crazy thing to me because we've mentioned on the show before, wouldn't you want to look good in your film? Wouldn't you want to impress teams that are schools that you might be looking at or looking to getting to a better basketball school than LSU, men's basketball school than LSU? And so I just feel like he hasn't proven himself. Like, you're going to enter the transfer portal and you're going to be shocked at the results, but you haven't done anything all season, Mm -hmm. since the beginning anyway. 
And part of that is shooting the three ball. It seems that this team in general, like what Nathan was saying about the coaching aspect, you knew it was going to be hard. Matt McMahon knew it was going to be difficult. But it seems that this team is hesitant to shoot a three ball. And then it seems that in the beginning of the games, they're coming out and saying, oh, I can shoot a three ball. Let's see if we can get a few threes here and, and try to lead our opponent by multiple points to see if we can get ahead. And it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So if it's not going to work, that's fine. But Adam Miller was supposed to be your three-point shooter. Yeah, and he, you haven't seen that from him all season. I agree. So LSU men's basketball goes on to play South Carolina, who is nine and seven as their next opponent. Nathan, is this a win or a loss? Loss. Ask me any any game for the rest of the season. You ask me, and I'm gonna tell you loss. I just that I just died. We were talking about this on Out of Bounds on Sunday. I just don't see them winning another game okay. for the rest of the season. I mean, like I said on on Sunday, I hope they'll get lucky somewhere, but I just I don't think it's gonna happen. This seems to be the game to win if you are going to win it. But again, I kind of agree with Nathan. It just seems that, is that firepower really going to be there? You're at home. You're in the PMAC. It's a noon game. But you need someone like K.J. Williams to score points. You need Adam Miller to score points. And you don't just, if you do beat this team, you don't just want to come out of here with, okay, we got to win, finally. It's almost like, okay, if you're going to do it, you may as well do it in great fashion. Go Mm -hmm. out there, beat them by a lot, score a lot offensively, and Whatever you have to improve, there's a lot to improve here, defensively speaking as well. Go out and do that. Use that as your game. Right now, you have nothing to lose. Right, 100%. I mean, LSU is the better team, but I would not be surprised if we came off with this game with a loss. I mean, South Carolina is worse than Georgia, and mm-hmm. so we lost to them by two. So we might even end up getting blown out by South Carolina. Um now transitioning to Super Bowl Sunday, the Chiefs beat the Eagles 35-38. to 38. I was devastated. I mean, I didn't like the way that the game ended. I mean, we'll get into that. I mean, I guess the NFL is the NFL. I feel bad for Jalen Hurts. I feel like he deserved it. But congratulations to Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. So, Nathan, do you think the Eagles played the Chiefs or the refs played the Chiefs? Or was there unfair play calling on both sides? I mean, honestly, I didn't think the officiating was bad at all. I mean, in my opinion, I thought it was some of the best officiating we'd seen all season mm-hmm. in an NFL game because throughout the season it had been pretty bad. But I was kind of impressed. Um, I didn't think it had – I'm pretty sure there were, like, no offensive holding calls at all during the entire game. It was a very clean game. Um, and the one people complaining about that call at the end, it was the right call. Like, I mean, Bradbury himself admitted that he held the guy. And it's just, I mean, there's mul- you can there's so many angles online you can look at that show him tugging on Juju's jersey. Like, at the end of the day, it was just the right call. Going off of what Nathan said, I agree. It was a clean game by the officials. You're under a lot of pressure. And exactly what you said, Greg Olson was like, let them play, right? It shouldn't be a call. But also, you're on such a big stage like that where if you don't call it and you're a referee – you're going to be fine, possibly, right? A lot of people say go find the refs to make a play like when they make controversial plays like that. Right. But that wasn't necessarily controversial. That's the rule book. And again, you're on that stage. You have to go play by the rules. Even if you are like Greg Olson or just saying, hey, let's go. Let's let them play. James Bradbury said that it was a foul. It, it was clearly a holding. It was a penalty. And ultimately... It, what I always say is don't put yourself in that position. If you're put in a position where you have to go out there and you're begging for a flag, well, then did you really deserve to win that game? Right. And I, like, I'm just saying, go out there. If you want to win the game, win it fair and square. That was that was a fair and square yeah, holding. If, if you don't want him to call the flag, don't commit the foul. I right. mean, he said, Bradbury said himself, 
I was hoping they would let it slide, mm-hmm. and they didn't. Right, and it sucks. You know, it's third down. The Eagles have a chance to score, get a field goal, have an opportunity to win the game. And we say this all the time, penalties win or lose games constantly. Mm-hmm. So that was just one of those situations. Um, Trish, do you believe that Patrick Mahomes' ankle injury was as serious as he or the media made it seem? Look, I've seen a lot of Eagles fans on TikTok, on social media, say clearly Patrick Mahomes was lying, he was putting on a front. Also, it happened two weeks ago. I mean, a sprained ankle is not forever. I know it was a high ankle sprain. That's something that's very difficult to deal with. Mm-hmm. I think you have very good doctors there who are helping Patrick Mahomes, who are giving him the things that he needs. Very great rehabilitation before the Super Bowl. And that's what makes you an athlete. You have to go out there and play on the biggest stage. I, I, heard, I know a lot of athletes say, I have another ankle, and that one's fine, right? You look at Jaden Daniels in the SEC championship right. game. He tried to go out there. He tried to play, had a similar injury. And now you're a pro and Patrick Mahomes doing what he does best. Yeah, I had I had pretty much the same thing. Like in my notes, it's a high a high angle sprain is nothing to mess with. I mean, but I think the reason it probably didn't look as bad and why Eagles fans are thinking that is because, I mean, let's be real, they probably juiced him up with some kind of <laughs> super serum on the sidelines, and they gave him a they loaded him up on painkillers and sent him back out there. And that's probably I'm sure that's what Mahomes wanted too. I mean, he's probably loaded up on adrenaline too. I mean, he's playing in the in the Super Bowl. I think this just he just wasn't going to let that injury bother him, and he was going to go out there on that big stage and do what he does. I mean, I agree and disagree. I mean, after watching Jaden Daniels suffer the same injury, I mean, in the SEC championship, he was barely even – he was barely able to play the first half. So it's just mm-hmm. like – I mean, yes, Patrick Mahomes has, like, the mental toughness. I mean, it's the Super Bowl. Your adrenaline's pumping. But, you know, the way he was running on the field, I mean, it didn't seem <laughs> like he suffered a – Hackles brain to me. So I feel like the media, the Chiefs, him, he probably blew it out of proportion. But, I mean, it came off with the ring, so I guess the pain was <laughs> worth it. Well, it was worth it. It works. Jarek McKinnon made the best play of his career by not scoring that touchdown. And I saw a lot about it on social media about how he that, that picture should be hung up in every single high school because of his selfless act. And seriously it is because, I mean – I thought if that was me in your shoes, what would you do? You want to score so bad in the thing. Super Bowl. Like, You'd have to pay me not to <laughs> score. <He laughs> yes. could, that could have been a thing he tells his grandkids about for generations. Yes. I'd scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl, and he gave it up. Because there's no, the as great out. as the Chiefs are, there's no guarantee that they're ever going to be back there again, especially right. Jarek McKinnon could get traded, whatever. What, crazy things happen in the NFL. And for him to slide like that, what was it, one yard before the end yeah. zone? And oh, it's, it's almost like heartbreaking for him. Yeah. You almost want to cry for him, but you're so happy because that's what sports is about. And everyone preaches team and you preach effort. And that's what it is right there. It's not Juju Smith-Schuster going on Twitter and freaking out or wishing James Bradbury happy Valentine's Day. It's none of that. <laughs> All the drama that we're not even going to get on today. That's not teamwork. That's not being a teammate. What Jarek McKinnon did on Sunday, that's being a teammate. And that's how you win championships. Right. Like they did. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more, Trish. And I also, I just don't, it's not even a question of fairness. That's just how the NFL works. I mean, if they didn't want to run the clock out, again, mm-hmm. don't make the holding, like, penalty. I mean, right. it's just, it is what it is. He he held them, and so they got that first down, were able to, to run the clock out like they did. That's that's how the, the Saints 2018 game should have mm-hmm. ended. That They would have been able to run the clock out yep. with that penalty, 
I mean, it's just just how the game works. And if it makes Jarek McKinnon feel any better, he scored two touchdowns for me in my fantasy football playoffs, <laughs> and he won. So I there think, you go. I think that makes up for it, right? I mean, yeah, I called my dad, and I was so upset. I was like, this isn't fair. He was, like, breathing. <laughs> I mean, it's a holding penalty. My dad is an Eagles fan, diehard. He loves the Eagles. Really? And he knew. He was like, I mean, that's what penalties do to you. And that last eight seconds just wasn't enough for the Eagles to score. Yeah. kind of just seems like it is what it is. When And, again, the Eagles just seem like a very good team. I wouldn't be surprised if they're back here. They do have some things to go through with free agency and signing people. But it seems that what Nick Sarani has built there, along with Jalen Hurts, I'm sure he'll get a big contract. And I think that they'll be good for many years under Jalen Hurts as he was finally able to silence some doubters. Moving on, just to wrap up the show, we're going to talk a little bit about LSU baseball. They will play their first game on Friday, 3 p.m. against Western Michigan. The times were changed this afternoon, Thursday, February 16th. They are originally scheduled to play at 6.30 p.m., but due to some cold weather coming in, the game is now switched to 3 p.m. To start off talking about baseball, let's start off with Paul Skeens, pitcher, transferred in from Air Force. This is what he had to say about the athleticism of this team and how he's helped prime his body as he goes into the season. I've definitely gotten a better understanding of my body. Um, and I, I don't think there have been any huge movement changes, but like um, understanding how my body moves as a whole on the mound, because when I came in here, I definitely understood how my body moved a lot better uh, from the hitting side than on the, on the pitching side. I just hopped up on the ground and threw the ball as hard as I could when I pitched. Um, and now we've been doing, you know, um, a lot of drills and, and stuff like that, you know, fall through now um, that have helped me understand my body. And with that, um, understand what, you know, movement changes I need to make. Nathan, when you're talking about this team, just a statement like this, like one that you heard Paul say when you happened to be there, how does it show the progress that this team has showed during the offseason? It's unbelievable. And, I mean, I think it, a lot of that comes down to this coaching staff, which is an insane coaching staff. I mean, when, when you've got guys who can – I mean, you're showing them how to, how to grow into their bodies and learn their strengths and, and exploit those and improve on your weaknesses too. I mean, that's what Paul was talking about. He's – He's really grown into his body and learned how to utilize his body to the best of his ability. Right, I agree. It also shows how committed this LSU baseball team is. I mean, being committed in offseason is hard. I mean, you're coming off the previous season, you're tired. You know, the work that you produce in offseason reflects how you do in the postseason. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that just shows our progress and how good we'll actually be this yeah, season. Yeah, these guys are ready to put the work in. They have been all season. You ask any of them. And, like, their only goal every time you ask them is win a national championship. They don't want anything right. less. Go to Omaha. Yeah. And what makes it a little easier on this team is the talent that they have. Dylan Cruz, Trey Morgan, just to name a few. And plenty of MLB maybe talent in the future. And some players are quite confident that they'll see a lot of their teammates play in the MLB. It's, I mean, it's unbelievable. Uh, there's so many, you know, future big leaguers on this team. Uh, I mean, can literally rattle off like 10, 15 guys that I think are going to, one of them's in this room right now, Jared Jones, uh, that I think are going to play in the big leagues one day. Uh, and it's just, it's unbelievable, you know, talent standpoint, you know, on the mound, in the batter's box, it's, it's crazy. So as you just heard, Kay Beloso is very confident in the talent that this team has, that there will be many players that he plays with right now heading to the major leagues. What does it mean, Nathan, to have this, to just have such 
major athletes play in on one team. It's unbelievable. I mean, that level of talent gives you such an advantage over other teams. You've got Dylan Cruz, who could very well go number one in the MLB draft, which is quite the accomplishment. I mean, that's unbelievable. So if he if he's able to do that, especially and able to perform like a number one overall pick, which I mean, watching the last couple of years, he certainly is capable of that. I mean, they'll be able to dominate teams with with no problem at all. Yeah, it should be exciting to watch that team. Yeah. Just again, especially if you're down offensively, if you're down by a couple of runs, just knowing who you have coming up to the bat. The lineup is unbelievable. <laughs> It's crazy. Those walk-up songs should be quite exciting, Yeah, too. they're going to be fun. We'll have to talk about that. I know we'll, we'll talk about that on the Sunday <laughs> show next time or in the next podcast, uh, just the walk-up songs that we hear as the season continues to approach. And lastly, if you heard Cade, he also mentioned Jared Jones. Jones is a young player coming in here, but Cade had great things to say about him, especially that Jones would be one of the people that he eventually sees in the MLB. So talk about him. What are your expectations, Nathan, for Jared Jones coming into this season? Yeah, so I'm not. It, it's a little unclear to me where the, where he's going to be playing. Johnson has not been super mm-hmm. clear about that, which understandably doesn't want to give a whole lot away. But if he does play catcher, like I think he will, um, I think he brings a good bat to that position because that was something we struggled with a lot last year was our catchers were incredible on in defense and just could not hit the ball to save their lives. Um, so I think having a catcher who can be good on defense and also hit, I mean, obviously there's nothing to complain about there. So I think he'll bring a heavy bat to the lineup and runs or runs. That's how you win games. Yeah, for sure. He is just a freshman. He was the number fourth ranked pitcher nationally and the number one ranked catcher in Georgia, according to Perfect Game. And also when you're talking about that offense, he batted 450 as a career batting average at Walton High School with 144 hits, along with 35 home runs. So it could be a great yeah, addition great. to this team. Granted, high school is very different from college. A lot of athletes in the past have said this is the hardest transition possibly, right, from high school to college. And even athletes who have made it to the pros have said it, that transition was even harder than my transition from college to to professional. But I think this is great growing time for Jared Jones, right? It's not like you desperately need help, but it will be a great asset to have if he can eventually get comfortable, if he can eventually transition, and then be able to help this team both offensively and defensively. Back to you, Raven. Thank you so much for hosting today. It was my pleasure. I would like to thank our production producer, Jonah Webster. I'm Raven Freeman. I've been here with Nathan Machina and Trisha Caputa, and this has been Hodges Huddle.